Well, good evening, Mosaic family. Welcome, welcome. I know we have some people still coming in, uh, grabbing their seats, getting some coffee. We're excited to have you here on this beautiful Saturday night. Would you stand with us? We're gonna focus our eyes on Jesus. This is a newer song that we've been singing. It's called House of the Lord, but it talks about how there's joy in the house of the Lord. So I just wanna encourage you to sing with joy tonight that we're excited and expected to be here. So let's sing this together.
Y'all sound great. You can have a seat. I feel bad to have you take a seat right after that song. I don't want to sit down at all. Hey, welcome. Um, we're so glad to have you here with us tonight. My name is Ashley, and I do communications here. If this is your first time, we would love to get to know you. Um, so there are a couple ways to do that. Um, our favorite way would be for you to grab us either right after service or out in the foyer. Um, but we also have ways to connect uh, online. So you can see the website and the number to text above me there on the screen. Um, but I'm going to get into a little bit of housekeeping before we continue in worship. I've got a couple of things, so I'm going to cheat and use my phone. Um, so... One of the things that's happening today is the very last Our Faith. So if you're taking the Our Faith class, you should be in the Family Center right now. Uh, but that's ending tonight, and then we're going to start our, one of our other training center classes called Personal Bible Study. That's going to kick off in July. Um, the registration is already available online. What you might not be seeing, though, is a QR code that would take you to the news page. That's because with our new website, we don't have the same traditional news page. Um, so it's still available online, but each ministry is going to have its own kind of dedicated space for re registration. The best thing for you to do would be to subscribe to our newsletter because I'm going to kind of transition that to function like the news page. So it'll have everything all at once. But if you haven't done that yet, you can do so right now just by hitting the subscribe to newsletters, checking Mosaic News, and you'll stay up to date with all the things that we have. Okay, the next couple of things I don't have slides for, but next weekend is Father's Day. If you guys didn't know that yet, this is your reminder. Um, we are really fortunate to have the Unilever ice cream truck come provide free ice cream for us. They'll be here in between services. Um, so stay a little late. If you are going to be at the 5 o'clock, come a little early if you plan on going to the 6.30. Um, I'll also put it in the newsletter, so you'll have your reminder there. Um, okay, next is... During our whole Rhythms series, we're going to have communion every single weekend. So you'll see our communion stuff set up here. We just wanted to make you aware of that if you have kids or friends who are going to be visiting. That way you can kind of walk them through what communion is like. And then the last thing, um, so you know how we've had ropes set up all along the sides or put our banners up? We're going to try and move away from that. And what you'll see now um, are little cards that say that the back sections are going to be reserved for prayer. So we have an incredible prayer team here at Mosaic, and we would love to be able to connect with you guys a little bit more quickly when it comes to prayer. So those back sections where you see reserved for prayer, if you're sitting back there, just know a prayer team member will likely come by and say hey and see how they can pray with you. Um, if that's not what you're into, scoot on up. Um, okay, that is all I've got for you. So I'm gonna pray and then we'll continue in worship. Lord, thank you so much for this place. Thank you for these people who have come to gather in your name. Uh, we love you and we're so grateful for the opportunity we have to worship together. Um, God, I pray as we continue through this series, we will not leave without knowing and loving you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Ashley. Mosaic, would you stand with us tonight? And God, I pray that you'll give us hearts of gratitude and generosity as we read our offering prayer together tonight. Oh, Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiplied the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion, for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give could match your great gifts to us. 
your son and your spirit. Amen. We join with all of creation tonight as we lift our praises to God. So let's posture our hearts before him and lift our eyes to him. Sing this out with me.
you remain standing as we read the word of God tonight. Turn our attention to stay with him. Good evening, Mosaic. My name is Matt Sweetser, and this is my wife, Molly. And I've had the privilege and honor of calling Mosaic home for 17 years. And I've been coming here about 22 years, so I've grown up through the Mosaic Youth Ministry and now blessed to have our two boys, Sully, who's four, and Finn, who's two, just be loved and served really well by all the wonderful people here at Mosaic. So we currently serve in Bentonville as small group leaders geared towards um, young families, so it's definitely a bit chaotic at times with Sully being the oldest one in our group, but it's just been a blessing to live life with other people in the same stage of life who get all the struggles of parenting preschoolers and toddlers. So if that's something you feel like your family would benefit from, feel free to grab one of us. Now let us hear the word of the Lord. Isaiah 58, 1 through 12. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins, yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why, I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then, when you call, the Lord will answer, Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply, Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as rebuilder of walls and as restorer of home. Matthew 6, 16 through 18. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, 
Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hmm. Thanks, sweetsers. Appreciate you. Hi, my name's Colin. I did a thing. I got a haircut. Um... Yeah, there was a cheer. My wife, you ever seen Shrek? You seen that cartoon movie, Shrek? You know the little guy and his haircut, and he doesn't quite know what he's doing with his hair? That's how I spend most of my days. And my wife has a term for it now. It's actually become um, a huge part of when she tells me it's time. She says, you're farquatting. <laughs> Lord farquatting, my ears. So it's cut, and uh, it feels good to be here. Uh, I've been out on sabbatical. Thank you. I needed it. Um, I thought I didn't, and that's usually a good sign you do. And uh, my wife and a few friends and I got to go to some, some beautiful places in Italy and Greece, and it was so refreshing. And, and even thinking about this night, this talk, this series, um, the Lord has a lot for you in this time. If you have a rhythms book, uh, please go ahead, take some notes. There's a note uh, portion in, in the section on fasting. I'd love for you tonight to take this and then go make a disciple and teach it to them. Uh, and, and if you're looking for every time we do one of these rhythms, is, is there a way I can know more or practice more or read more? It's, it's all right here. And so if you don't have one of these, talk to us before you leave tonight. We'd love to get you one. And uh, were you here last week? Anybody with Dr. Gary Oliver? Goodness. Hey, you know, there's, there's a few things when Gary gets on stage and he says something like, I've been in a lot of churches and I've heard a lot of series and with all candor. And he said that and I leaned in a little bit. He said, with all candor, this rhythm series is of utmost value and importance for your walk with God. I love this series. I, I mean, this is the kind of stuff when I'm on vacation, on sabbatical, when I'm reading books, this is the stuff I read for fun. So my wife's like reading an awesome like fiction novel and she's like, what are you reading? And I'm like, I'm learning about what Augustine said on prayer. And that's like what I, I, I love. And so I'm so excited tonight to be in this series. Um, if you're new, just quick review of, of what we're not talking about on spiritual formation. If you're looking for some more resources, my favorite read is by a guy named Dr. Uh, Robert Muholland. He says this, spiritual formation is the process, not a one-time decision, not a one, I kind of tried that and I'm done. No, he, he refers to it as a journey. It's ongoing. It is the process of being formed, that is our thoughts, our desires, our behaviors, into the image of Jesus, becoming like Jesus, which if you're at church and you're a Christian, that's probably why you're here, is that we want to, to live and love and serve more like him. And lastly, this is what I love. In a lot of formation books and people, they, they leave this part out. And this is why I like Mulholland. Process of being formed into the image of Jesus for what? The sake of others. Not you and Jesus in a prayer room alone and you did your thing and then you went and yelled at your kids. <laughs> um, not like I put off that meal and I fasted in Shekinah glory and then your, your spouse called and you're like, what? <laughs> no, this is becoming more like Jesus so that we can love God and love others. Well, there's a purpose to it. He says this. We, fall, uh, we fail to realize that the process of spiritual shaping is a primal reality of the human existence, meaning being human is a process of being formed. 
what you watch, what you listen to, the movies, the, the content you read, your behaviors, all of that, everyone is in a process of spiritual formation. Every thought we hold, decision we make, action we take, emotion we allow to shape our behavior. Ouch. Response we make to the world around us, relationships we enter into, uh, every reaction we have toward the things that surround us and impinge upon our lives. All of these things, little bit by little, are shaping us into a kind of being. We are being shaped into either the wholeness of the image of Christ or a horribly destructive caricature of that image. Destructive not only to ourselves, but also to others, for we inflict our brokenness upon them. In summary, you are a person and you are on a journey to becoming a type of person. You are either going to become a creature, a person who lives in harmony and in step with the triune God and others, or you are on a route to becoming a person who not only is at war with God and others, but as well as yourself. This, this journey of spiritual formation is vital. This isn't just a Christian thing. This is a human thing. One of my, another author who follows in New Holland is Ruth Haley Barton, and she says this, that I cannot transform myself or anyone else for that matter. Friday nights, we have a thing called Celebrate Recovery. We meet in this room, and one of the first things that we say in Celebrate Recovery, I'm gonna have to depend on a higher God who's gonna, like, I, I can't change me. It's exhausting, isn't it? The biblical authors call this process sanctification. It's, it's a part of salvation, so Sometimes we hear the word salvation and we immediately go to the first part of that process, which is justification. You, you familiar with this term? That the blood of Christ has justified you, so now the, the penalty of sin, done away with, gone. And a lot of times we spend most of what I like to think about in salvation is the future salvation. New heaven, new earth, glorified bodies, no sin, no evil, no death. This middle section, however, is what the biblical authors give a lot of time towards. Sanctification, the process of becoming more like Jesus. Barton says that God's work is the transformation, our work is obedience. Because I can't change myself or anyone else, but what I can do is create the conditions in which spiritual transformation can take place. By developing and maintaining a, a rhythm, a pattern, a holy habit, as Gary said last week, of spiritual practices that keep me open, and available to God. So tonight, uh, we've already covered spiritual formation. We've covered prayer. Can't encourage you if you missed last week, go back online and watch it. I mean, Gary, good Lord, it's fun to hear a guy who's just, uh, it's just like a fount coming out of him. But tonight, you get the guy who fails his way through fasting, <laughs> which is really good news because even walking in tonight, someone was like, are you teaching tonight? And I was like, well, I'm kind of just hoping the Holy Spirit does his thing because I have not done this one well. So if last week you got the expert, tonight you get the guy who's like, I'm still figuring this out, let's do this together. Cool? How are we feeling? Good? All right, let's dive in. Fasting. As, as a Westerner, I have a view, and you do too, we've been formed by our culture about what fasting is and what fasting isn't. First off, a, a few things to note about Western culture. Do we, do we love to wait slowly and patiently for our food, and we just, mm, we just sit there and we bask in the glory of God as we 
Oh, I just, Lord, this food you're gonna place in front of me, it's so, is that our culture? I literally saw an article when, when Starbucks started accepting tips, people boycotted Starbucks because the line got longer because people were tipping the workers so they couldn't get their mocha frappuccino, venti-sized, two-pump vanilla as fast as they wanted it, so they boycotted the organization. We are in an instant self-gratification culture, aren't we? What I want, when I want, how I want it, where I want it. We actually have an app now. DoorDash, anybody? Whoop, whoop. Where are we at? It costs so much more money. COVID hit, and my wife and I got that, and our like grocery and dinner expenses went out the wazoo. Even the other night, she's like, please go get kava. Like, it's 30 bucks to get a bowl that case. It's $12. Just go get it. But our culture, we have this instant self-gratification, don't we? So we're already kind of swimming upstream when the biblical authors talk about fasting. Also, we don't have a very healthy relationship with food, do we? Now, for some of us, it's, it's too much. It's too much comfort. And so we, uh, we feel shame or we feel guilt or we feel this, this, we're not good enough and we run to food to try and satiate and, and fulfill that desire that it can't be desired. Or some of us, we, we, try, we avoid it. Food is of the devil. And so we're doing this diet and that diet and, and we've done this and this and that and we're trying to, to not eat and enjoy something God's created. But there's this unhealthy relationship with food in the West, isn't there? Even so much so we have a term for people called foodies where they travel the world and they post different pictures. Like, could you imagine the Apostle Paul talking about food in our day and age and being like, you guys are taking pictures of it? What? You travel to different places to get a picture and post it so that you can get at. We don't have a healthy relationship with food. And so what I see is when we come to fasting as Westerners, there's kind of three camps we can fall into. One is it's the, the camp of political protest. There's injustice. I'm going to seek that justice. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to eat. Um, this is uh, Gandhi in, in India where there was an oppressive political rule. And he said, I'm going to fast. And it, it, it made its way through all the way up to power and, and cause some changes. It's a nonviolent expression of this is unjust and I want change. And the second one is religious piety. It's I'm going to do this so that this God or that God or this part of my righteousness can be displayed and I can show how faithful and committed I am to a deity. Or sometimes it's even so I can earn affection and affirmation from that deity. Or thirdly, it's the self-image, it's, it's personal image, it's this um, seeking the ideal weight or the ideal body or, or um, to put off this thing and, and all of it to display a body image that I feel like will give me the approval and favor I desire from others. Now, inherently, are any three of these things wrong? Is it wrong if there's corruption in a political system to say, I'm not gonna be violent, I'm not gonna overthrow it, but I am gonna, as a display, say, I'm, not, I'm gonna put a public display of protest. Oh. Is it wrong to say, I, I'm gonna follow into this God and his way of life, and so I'm going to fast in order to grow to be more like him? Or in some scenarios, it's even so that we can invite others on this journey. Inherently, no, there's nothing wrong with religion and, and fasting. Is it wrong for you to be like, hey, I want some six-pack abs, so I'm gonna intermittent fast and I'm gonna eat from this window and that window and no. 
But again, as, as Westerners in our culture, if that's our, our understanding of coming to the scriptures and what Jesus, when he talks about fasting, we're gonna find ourselves even more empty than we started. So uh, three ways to not fast like Jesus. What we're not talking about as we approach the spiritual practice of fasting. First is, uh, is Jesus isn't calling us to political protest against God. He's not calling you to starve in a hunger strike and to say, God, you are not doing this, so I'm gonna do this until you. That's not what Jesus means when he's talking about fasting. It's not a hunger strike against a God who is good and, and loves. It's also, it's not this religious ritual, as we even saw in Isaiah, and we'll look again here in a moment, where you're starving yourself for God's affection and approval. That as if you're fasting and, and abstaining from something and even harming your body is gonna cause God to love or, or accept you more? Does that sound like the good news and grace that Jesus talked about in the Gospels? No. It's also, it's not this personal image without God. It's not trying this or that diet so that I can have these or that results and has nothing to do with my spiritual life. Um, friends, I, I am guilty of all three of these in my learning to try and grow to be more like Jesus in fasting. I have had seasons where the circumstances are not what I want and I've come to God in those circumstances and I have come to him angry and I have come to him frustrated and I have said, until you do this, I'm not gonna eat. And I've been, God's like, fine, <laughs> that's okay. And rather than seeing it as an opportunity where God's actually with me in those circumstances, and transcends those circumstances. I've also been on the boat of look how holy and awesome I am for not, not eating for this extended amount of time. I've been with churches and Christians and other organizations and we're just bragging about our times with God when we're not fasting or we are fasting and it's, it's gross. And it's all rooted in this. I wonder if God really does love me. Hey, uh, I, I struggled with anorexia and bulimia from 16 to 18, really bad. Depression set in, and I uh, wasn't gonna kill myself, but I was dang sure gonna hurt myself. And I saw the, a great way to hurt call would be to not eat food. So I'm gonna starve myself. And uh, it was a painful, painful season, not acknowledging God with me in those moments and in that dark space. Hey, stay with me for a second. I don't know what circumstances you're in right now. Maybe it feels like the, the ground's fallen out from under you and God has abandoned you. Um, and you're feeling this anger and that God is some tyrant that is oppressing you. Friend, there is a tyrant in the spiritual world, but it is not the triune God. He adores you and he loves you. He delights in you and he wants more for you in those circumstances. Hey, maybe you're like here tonight and wondering like, does coming here tonight make God love me more? Oh man, now I'd only have to go to church. I also have to go do these other 10 things they're talking about at Mosaic because I guess that's what Christians do. Your religious piety is not what God is concerned about. He desires relationship with you. He longs to walk day by day and moment by moment with you, fasting or not. And he, was it God so loved the world when they fast? 
a free gift of his love. And if you're like me and you're trying to lose a few pounds and you're trying this or that diet, that's, that's great, that's okay. What, it, what would it be like to tweak that to actually do it with God and to join him in that place? Not to see it as something that's completely separate from it. And for us tonight, what I'd love to see you leave with is that as a follower of Jesus, we fast because of this. These three things. One, we, we fast to delight in God's presence. He's the God who's with us always, even in the, the worst of circumstances or the greatest of joys. And we delight. We put food aside and we say, I'm gonna delight in you. Two is we depend on God's provision because man can't live by food alone, by bread alone, Jesus says. We do need food, but that's not the only thing we need. And we take our needs to our good and gracious Father. And lastly is that we partner with God and his purposes. How we doing? Good? Ready to get in some of the scriptures and what they say about it? Follow me. Uh, in Genesis, we actually see from the very beginning of the scriptures, it's important to notice that evil and sin and death enter the human experience during a meal. Isn't that fascinating? It, it's through a meal. It's the twisting where the enemy, the crafty serpent comes in and he, destroy, he takes a desire God might be holding out on you. He told you you couldn't do what? And these lies, and, and he takes the desire of food that looks good, and he twists it. And then from there, it causes damaging behaviors. Distorting the desire, damaging behaviors. Adam and Eve now at each other's throat, hiding from God, and, and, and we just have turmoil in the human experience. And lastly, it, it results in distorted lives. That from there on out, that, that meal causes everything in and around us to, to not be the way that God intended God's given mankind everything we need. He's invited us. First and foremost, he actually starts with abstinence, abstain. You can eat everything you see, but don't eat this one. But the human experience, the walk with God begins with an abstinence, with a not partaking in a certain meal. One brilliant Old Testament scholar, Sarna says, unrestricted freedom does not exist. Freedom is obedience to God, not getting what I want when I that's hard for us to understand sometimes, isn't it? Humans are called upon God, uh, by God, to exercise restraint and self-discipline and the gratification of appetite. That prohibition of Genesis 2.17, eat all of them but not this one, is a paradigm that causes all future legislation relating to the dietary laws in ancient Israel. And, and as you get into it, so let's get a solid definition here of what fasting is and what fasting isn't. In the scriptures, there are two words to describe fasting. There's one in the Hebrew and there's one in the Greek. Um, the Greek is actually just a transliteration out of the Hebrew. The, the Hebrew word for to take a fast is sum, T-S-U-M, sum. And, and literally it translates to, everybody hand up with me if you wouldn't mind. To sum is to the covering of your mouth. Mm, okay, so something about this covering of mouth, the sum, somehow translates to a practice of, of worship and, and enjoying God. And here's the beautiful thing. In, in ancient Hebrew, you can find some of the scholars talk about when they are assuming, it's them saying, I'm not going to fill myself up from here. I'm going to fill myself up from somewhere else. So I'm abstaining from food and water, sum, cover the mouth, in order to be filled by something and someone else. And so what we see all throughout is 
Uh, fasting in the Old Testament and the New Testament is a way to pray with your the gut. It's a way that we engage. Now, Westerners, we, we love to pray with our minds, don't we? And to think, and, and that's good. There's also a way that we could pray with our entire body. Now, we have a, a word we call hangry. Anybody been hangry? You might be hangry right now. It's an experience in which we, we, we exist and experience the world around us from here. And so when we fast, not only are we praying with our mind, fuck it up, let's go together, one pat on three, one, two, three. It's the way we pray with our gut. It's the way we engage God with our, our body. Uh, it is, first of all, all the spiritual rhythms, when put in the right place, are a grace. They are a gift. These are not rules for you to do in order so God might do X, Y, Z. These are not things that if you don't do it or you miss it or you mess it up, like, no, this is a grace. Prayer and conversation with the triune God of love who desires intimacy with you. Uh, silence, solitude, Sabbath, fasting, setting aside a meal is, is a grace. It's a grace and it's an ongoing practice, which means sometimes it goes well. We have good practices. Other times, it's, eh, nothing happened. And both are meaningful because what we're doing when we're fasting is these three things. Don't miss this. One, it's an abstaining from food. Please hear me. It's an abstaining from what? Not Netflix. Not Instagram. Not uh, Facebook. Not cold hot showers, not coffee, like coffee counts as food, but whatever the thing is, there's something in our culture, again, where we have said, oh, yeah, I'm just going to fast from Instagram, and I'll go right back to it for 40 days. That's not bad. Please hear me say, that's not bad. It's good to abstain from non-essential things like Instagram or like Facebook or whatever it be so that you can redeem that time with God. Please do that. But also, please know, when the scriptures talk about fasting, it's talking about something that you and I will not live unless we have, which is what? Food. It's a meal. So should you, like, fast from screens and not eating candy and, like, not watching something? Please do that. That is good. Actually, I think what you'll find is when you give it up, if you're like me, you're like, I'm going to fast from Instagram. You don't go back because life without Instagram rocks I don't care what people think about me or I'm trying to get likes or like, no, I'm more present. But again, that's a, that's a non-essential, isn't it? You, you, can, you, you should be expected to do life without those things. When it comes to fasting, it is a specific throughout the scriptures. It involves a meal. We cannot live without food. It's essential for us. So it's abstaining from something, not just physical, abstaining from something uh, that, that's essential for us. Next is, it's a specific time and a specific purpose. So let's see it. Who intermittent fasts in the room? Come on, where are we at? Who has the window of day? Yes, it's a great practice, isn't it? How often, in inter- what intermittent fasting means for those who don't do it, you have a window you eat, you have a window you don't eat, and it's supposed to like do all these cool things for your body. I'm not a doctor. Don't hold me to any of that. But what I do know is often when I'm like in a season of intermittent fasting and I'm putting off food and not gonna eat here, my attention is not ongoing 16 hours delighting and actively depending on God. I'm just going about my day. Fasting in the scriptures is a specific time, a meal, for a specific purpose. It's not just like I'm giving up food, as we'll see with Israel. No, there's just, but there's a purpose involved. And the heart behind it is to worship and pray. 
And so who, who practices fasting and why? Well, I wish I had more time. If you wanna get coffee sometime, we can. Here's, here's just a few, there's more. And these are the folks that did it well. Notice, who's up top? Last week, who's up top? Master and divine God-man himself practices this. 40 days in the wilderness. If you don't know this story, look it up. Matthew 4, your rhythms book will read you through it. Hey, question, is, it, uh, is Jesus going out to the desert so he can be really weak and really uh, like fragile and that's when the enemy comes? Is that what the purpose was? Strengthened, led by the Spirit before he goes into public ministry. There's, there's a pattern of that with some of the hitters throughout the scriptures that before the public ministry, there's a private practice with God and fasting. Isn't that significant? And if the master, the, the one who I'm trying to conform myself to be like, if he did this, we probably should too. Now, I would not recommend, I'm not a doctor, but I would not recommend going to a desert for 40 days and 40 nights and not eating. <laughs> I think Jesus had some other things in store here. But notice, just, just look around for a moment at each of these examples and which one kind of pops off the page to you. Jesus to be strengthened and overcoming temptation. Any temptations lately that you'd love to just see victory over? Moses sat with God face to face as one meets with a friend, just not only receiving the covenant and tabernacle, like to all the instructions for Israel to dwell with God, he's just enjoying time up on the mountain with him. Israelites, this is a big one, to repent and return. Soldiers, we have a group of Saul soldiers when he dies, they're in grief. That, that actually in grief, lament, it's an expression of worship. David, after he's been outed in front of all of Israel, he weeps and he pleads with God in a fast. Jehoshaphat, this is a fun one, seeking God's deliverance, makes some, some poor choices and, and God comes through. Elijah, another fun one uh, in a, a season of like crisis and anxiety. I mean, this is the guy who just called down fire and saw these, these pagan priests and, and then he hits on the run because there's a, a person out to kill him. It's a good reason to run, by the way. And his response, not to fight back, it's not just to hide, he fasts. Nehemiah expressing concern, Daniel confessing and seeking God's guidance, Ezra seeking protection. This one's awesome, ladies, Anna and Luke there in chapter two, this prophetess. Jesus is not born yet, but... Um, they're coming to the temple. Oh, Jesus is born and they're coming before the high priest to have Jesus consecrated and Anna is their day. This is a revivalist. This is somebody who, who gets and understands fasting and prayer. And Anna, day in and day out, delights in God. And then the disciples of Jesus, Jesus tells his disciples, this kind can only come out with fasting and prayer. But across the scriptures, there's a pattern. I don't want you to miss this pattern. And it's becoming crystal clear to me of how often I don't follow this pattern and I get it wrong. But for Jesus and the biblical authors in centuries of church history, we fast to delight in God's presence, to remember God is with me. And two, we fast to, to depend on God's provision. I, I need food, but right now I'm going to assume I'm gonna cover my mouth and put food aside so that I can come to the ultimate giver of every good and perfect gift the one who sustains every single thing in the material and spiritual world. And lastly, to partner with God as he redeems the world in me and around me. I wanna join him in that. How we feel? We doing okay? Ready to go fast? Yeah? One warning real fast. 
Is there an example in the Bible of people who fast and get it wrong? Resounding? Absolutely. Check it out. Israel, Isaiah uh, is coming to them. The, the, uh, the prophet Isaiah, his name means Yahweh is salvation, and this is what he says. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud and don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Notice, this is the danger of when we just take the religious piety of fasting and get out there. They act so pious. They come to temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me, take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We fasted before you, they cry. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very, very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. Notice that they seem delighted, they act righteous, they pretend they wanna be near. So we stopped eating food, where are you, God? And look at God's response. I will tell you why. It's because you're fasting to please who? Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance and bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap, cover yourselves with ashes. This is what the Lord you call, this is fasting? Do you really think this is what pleases the, the Lord? Notice, this, this is a fast that's without, God, without love for God and without love for neighbor. It's, it's unloving at best. Why? Because it's just focused on self. It's all about me. It's selfish. It's unjust because they're fasting and praying, and at the very same time, they're coming down heavy and hard on the people that are working for them, as well as the, in the family of Israel, they won't stop quarreling with one another. And also, this is an unrepentant fast. There's no turning from sin into God. They're just in sin and crying out for God to join them in it. God says, this is the kind of fast I want. Notice here. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from your relatives who need help. Ouch. Then your salvation. Now, are we talking justification salvation? Like do these things and then God loves you? No. We're talking about that sanctification, becoming more in step with what God's doing in our world. Then your salvation will come like the dawn. Your wounds will heal quickly and your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. You'll call to the Lord. He'll answer, yes, I'm here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression and stop pointing the finger and spreading vicious rumors. See, for God, it seems like giving up of food and abstinence from, in that period of time is directly correlated in your love and affection for him and in your actions and love for others. Jesus would echo the same thing. Notice here, Jesus does not say if you fast. Also notice Jesus directly correlates what Isaiah just said to these Israelites fasting. All of Matthew 6, this is Jesus' manifesto for disciples of Jesus. This is how you're supposed to live as a follower of me. When you give to the needy. If you give to the needy, when you give to those who are in need. Secondly, he says, when you pray. If you pray, if you have ongoing intimate conversation with the Father, 
when. When you do these things. And when you fast, it's expected. As a follower of Jesus, this is part of what we do as followers of him. He says this, when you fast, don't look somber like the hypocrites do. They disfigure their faces and they show others they are fasting. And truly, I tell you, they received their their reward in full because it's all about them. When you fast, put oil on your head, wash up that face, show everybody how close you are to God and how much you are in step with what he's doing in the world so that it will not be obvious that you're fasting. We're not doing this to be miserable. We're doing this to be holy and Christ-like. But let your father see it who is unseen and your father who sees in secret will reward you. It was expected as a follower of Jesus that that you would fast and when you did fast, not only would it be in this ongoing time and conversation with God for a specific purpose, it would be to bless the people around you. It goes hand in hand. And back to Isaiah to close. See, because as we started in spiritual formation, you are becoming a person. You're becoming a person who's either in harmony with God and his purposes in the world or you are at war with God and his purposes in the world. And when we fast, feed the hungry and help those in trouble. This is our work in fasting. Then your light will shine from the darkness and the darkness around you will be bright. And now watch God's transformation in fasting. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength and the type of person you become, loving others, loving God, look at this, and tell me this is not who you want to be when you're standing on your deathbed and they say, tell me about so and fill in the blank. You'll be like a well-watered garden, an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities and you'll be known as a rebuilder of walls, a restorer of homes. Sounds like a good reason to fast, don't you think? I mean, I can give up a lunch for that. Because when we're fasting, what we're doing, as we've said, as followers of Jesus, when we fast, we are being men and women formed to the image of Jesus, abstaining from food so that I can delight in God's presence. He's the God who's with me. He never leaves me, even in the valley of the shadow of death. No need to fear. And when I fast, not if, when, I'm taking the chance to say, I'm not gonna depend on the nutrients physically from this food so that I can depend on the nutrients spiritually from you, God. The things I need you to provide, cleanse me, wash me, change me, transform me. And then, not just for me, but for the sake of others, I'm gonna fast and I'm gonna soon cover this mouth so that I can see, God, where are you at work and how can I partner and join you in that? In conclusion, I'd love to, to give you an invitation. This is not a have to, this is a get to. Um, early church would do it every Wednesday and every Friday. They would take time to, to set aside meals, to pray and fast. Um, a few tips for you if you choose to join us in this invitation, if you accept it. Um, no shame if not. These practices are exactly that, practices. First is um, we wanna practice not progress, or practice in progress, not perfection or performance. God's not gonna love you more or less if you do or don't. But for the personal, I'd invite you for a personal practice. Pick a time, pick a place, maybe as a family, maybe with roommates, maybe with the kids. Give a meal 
and then have a specific purpose that you're gonna pray through together. Uh, last week, Gary gave us one of these. There's more in the back. Maybe just give up a meal and read through this for an hour. And just watch what God does in and through you as you do this as a habit, as a practice. This one I'm excited about. This Friday, myself, as well as some other followers of Jesus at Mosaic, we're gonna take the lunch hour. We're not gonna eat. We're gonna abstain from food, not because God's gonna love us more, we're so much more righteous. No, we're gonna put that meal off to do three things. One, we're gonna delight in God's presence. And we're gonna remind ourselves that we don't wanna just ask for things, we wanna give thanks. So this Friday, if you wanna join us, lunch hour, one, give thanks for all the good God's doing in our church, in our community, in our lives. Then we're gonna ask God for provision because there's needs in this body we need help with. We have cancers, we have divorces, we have sicknesses, we have things that we are going to need God to provide for our brothers and sisters. So take some time to pray for God to provide that. And this one, please, let's get our eyes on what God's doing in our city and pray for those without Christ. It's an invitation to join us this Friday. And tonight, uh, before we fast, we're gonna feast. And uh, I think it's fascinating that the biblical narrative starts with the failure to abstain from a, a meal and evil and death and suffering come into the world and the very way that Jesus invites us to see how he's going to redeem and renew those things is through a meal. And so would you come and would you grab the elements and uh, would you hold them and abide and then we'll take and eat together as we sing. The tables are open. Please come grab
you would join us now and take your elements. Let's hold the cup. This cup represents the blood of Christ poured out for you. Would you take this cup and would you drink it? Now let's take the bread. This bread represents the body of Christ that was broken for you. Would you take the bread and would you eat it? Let's read our formation prayer together that we're gonna be continually reading through this series. It's the part that says leader, I'll read that. And if you guys will join in and read the people. This is our, our prayer to make us look more like Jesus. So let's read it and pray together. God, we join your church throughout history in studying rhythms that will help us live and love more like you. Make, make us, us more like, like Jesus. Jesus. Help us, for we are prone to doing too little, withholding parts of ourselves from you. Father, expand our hearts. Make us more like Jesus. Help us, for we are prone to doing too much, trusting in our own accomplishments. Spirit, teach us to rest. Make us more like Jesus. Would you give us the patience and perseverance we need to trust your work as you shape us into the likeness of your perfect son? In Jesus' name, amen. i 
Father, we crown you King, Lord of our life. So Lord, as we prepare our hearts to go and to step into your world, Father, Lord, would we keep in step with your spirit? Lord, help us have a hunger for you this coming week. We love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Church, thanks for coming this week. If you need prayer, we'll have our prayer team in the back. We also have prayer cards available for you to write prayer requests for us. We love praying over you. If you need to meet with our staff, we'll have our staff out in the booth. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And the people said, thanks be to God. See you next week, church.